Hello everyone and welcome back to the Kickabout. Arsenal recover to salvage a point as Liverpool take all three points in the Merseyside derby. I'm your host Chris. I'm Pete. And I'm Dan. Everyone and welcome to episode 147 of the Kickabout. Uh, Premier League is back, and so is my shit awful luck in FPL. <laughs> we'll get to that later. Um, and of course, we'll uh, we've got lots of uh, chat. We've uh, we've got a happy Dan. We've managed to send him off for his his surgery and style. Man United dominated and won two one against Sheffield United. What a dominant performance that was! Um, and we may not get time to talk about West Ham tonight. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but as always, we'll start with this. Damn the stat, man! So you boys said that you liked the one, the stat that we done last week. Um, so I, tr- I was hoping for something quite similar this week, uh-huh. and lo and behold, up to up to stats delivered. Yes. Um. So yeah, can you tell me? I've got like a top ten list here. Um, players to have the most goals and assists combined. Over the last 10 Premier League seasons. Players who have got the most combined goals, goals and assists yep. in the last 10 in the years last in the 10 Premier League. Seasons. All right. Fair crack. Yeah, we'll have a good crack. How many, how many are we looking for? Well, I've got a list of top 10, so I guess as many of the top 10 as you can get. Okay. Right. Okay, we'll get the answer to that later on, as always. Uh, I suppose we better talk about Fantasy League, haven't we? Fuck's sake. Um <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm done, guys. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've, I've lost all hope. Um, this, I think, this might be a record in terms of how far behind the average I am this week. Say nine point one. Seventeen points uh, behind the average. I had thirty-five this week. The average was fifty-two. Uh, I was yeah ranked nine point one million in the game week, uh, and I'm ten point one million. Uh, sorry, seven point eight million out of ten point one. So yeah, this in is in total. In total, yeah. So there's seven point. So it's ten point one million players playing the game, and I am in position seven point eight million. I don't think you're going to make the cup. I don't think so. <laughs> um, I think uh, you know. We're, we're, what are we nine games in? Yeah, I, I, I never. I don't think I've had. I was, I was talking about this with you before. I don't think I've had a single decision since the start of this season where um, a change that I've made has come in in my favour. Mm. Every fucking one of them <laughs> has either backfired or just kind of you know done not not yeah, done yeah. a great deal. Who's your captain, Harland? <clears throat> I had captain Harland this weekend. Um, You're gonna have to start not captain. Yes, Harland I know. The, the problem against the uh... the trouble is with Harland is that in the back of my mind I'm thinking he has he's blanked for a couple of weeks. You know what that means. Yeah. Usually he's got a hat-trick around the corner somewhere. They were playing Brighton, who have been awful at the back, and I thought, well, there's an opportunity there, which is why I went for that. Um, Hoyland, I've given him enough chances. That bloke can fuck off. <laughs> um, ben White, I brought in because I, I rolled the dice this week because I knew they were playing Chelsea. I know they don't score that many goals, but I was more looking at long-term for him because Arsenal got some good yeah, fixtures. Yeah. Um, and obviously I had... Uh, 
I've got three players for Spurs tonight, but the problem is, is that a lot of people have got those players. So any points that I make tonight, other people are going to be making the same points. So mm-hmm. we shall see. But I mean, this is the, the annoying thing, right? I was looking at one of the leagues that I'm in, not the, not the kickabout one. Uh, and as a good good friend of mine, my best man, Dan Radford, he got 44, right? He played, it, I'm losing to this guy. Just <laughs> keep this in mind, okay? When you look at this, he did his bench boost this week. Would you like to see who he had on the bench? Yeah, sure. He had King, not played a single minute all season in goal for Wolves. Pascal Gross, who's been pretty dog shit other than two weeks this season. He had uh, Ben Davis, who's played uh, barely minutes. played a minute. He's played 28, uh, sorry, 43 minutes all season. And he had Philippe Coutinho, who's not played since about 2001. Why the fuck did he do bench? Boost? I can only think he pressed the wrong button, but my point is, <laughs> he still got more fucking points than I did. And none of his bench even got any points. Oh dear. It's yeah, I'm 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 just losing the will to live. So uh, I will I will keep plugging away. I'll see what happens. But uh, at this point, it's it, you know what I'm with FPL. I'm in the same frame of mind as you are with United. Yeah. As soon as I look at my points, I just run wise and go, well, fucking knew that was coming, <laughs> didn't I? So yeah, it's been uh, it was another rough weekend. What about you guys? How'd you get on? Um, yeah, I'm on 74 at the moment. Cool, you're lucky. <laughs> Over double me, lovely. <laughs> and I've got Son and Pedro Porro left to play, so hopefully it'd be nice to get maybe like 90. Who did you captain this weekend? I captain Haaland, unfortunately. Okay. If I had a captain Salah, I'd be laughing. I'd be you got Salah in your team as yeah. well as Haaland? Yeah. What kind of fucking two Bob players <laughs> have you got in your team to, to sort of be able to afford those? <laughs> have a look, you can get out, can't you? He's up the top of the list somewhere. Yeah, go on our catch league. <laughs> uh, uh, catch Way Valley. Are you in this one? You're not in the Way Valley one. Yeah. Where oh no, that's your football team one, and you didn't. I didn't get added to that one. I did invite you. No, you didn't. Way Valley's finest. Sorry, I could I join now. Be. I still top it. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> there we go. Right. Who have you got? Fleckham's been awful. How'd you get a clean sheet for that? Um, oh, you you kept him, Buermo. Yeah, kept have him. You, so have you had him in the entire yeah, time? The entire time. So I you stuck him with him. The, yeah, because he's he's been pretty poor for yeah. four games. Yeah. So yeah. Oh man. See, I don't have the patience for that. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, I kept him for the fixtures, and it's kind of luckily. I, I don't understand how you've got that team because your bench isn't horrific either. Because I know Botman's injured and I think Bell is injured as well, but Cameron Archer's a decent shout. I know he's, he's cheap. Botman won't be cheap. Ariola's not cheap. And yet you've got... I don't understand. Botman's <laughs> cheap. He's only 4.5. Is he? Yeah. Mind you saying that, Poro, Shah, Cash, Flecken, they're all going to be reasonably... They're not going to be expensive, but they're not going to be No, they're not like either. your Trippiers. Pedro yeah. Poro's like 5.2. Shah's about the same, and I think Cash is about the same. Yeah, all 5. 5.2, 5.1 for Cash. Yeah, that's... Depressingly good team. Uh, Pete, how'd you get on? I thought I'd done well, but I only got 53 points. Um, obviously, the average being 52, but I've got uh, Son, Madison and Romero to play tonight, and I've captain Son, so Ooh. hopefully, again, going against the grain with what everyone else is doing at the moment, and captain Harland, so I can make up a few more points. I think it's a good shout for Son tonight. Home against Fulham. Fulham are yeah. a bit all over the place defensively. Yeah. I think that's a well, I thought that good idea. Luton. Yeah, I thought the exact same thing. <laughs> that's what put me off captain him in this. Um, yeah, but you're playing at Luton, different ball game, isn't it? If, yeah, if it was at true. Spurs against Luton, yeah. very, very different situation. Yeah, big scorers um, for points-wise in my team. I got Becker, it got me eight. Trippier got me ten. Bowen got me eight. Watkins got me 11. Alvarez got me nine. And then just a few more totted up around them. 
So overall, I'm fairly happy with it, but I'm just hoping that I get a big one tonight. (laughs) We're picking Vinicius over him in this. Oh, I think that's fair enough, isn't it? Jimenez doesn't score goals anymore. Mm. Uh, right, let's move on then. We're not, we haven't got a kick about alternate universe. Uh, alternate universe, sorry, I should say. Um, we've got too much to talk about tonight, really. And frankly, we just nothing really came in, came into our heads yeah. that was that we haven't already spoken about. There'll be more as the season goes on. But we're going to dive straight in now to what was on paper, at least, the game of the weekend, and that was the London derby between Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, I'll be honest, guys, this was a really weird game because even though it obviously finished two, we'll get into the specifics, it felt like the game was actually quite devoid of quality at times. Mm. It was quite scrappy. There was mistakes left, right and centre. And it just felt to me like it was both goalkeepers just trying to outshit each other at times. <laughs> um, Sanchez and Raya just having absolute brain-dead moments in goal, uh, which obviously caught Raya out um, sorry Sanchez, caught Sanchez yeah. out Raya got lucky with one or two of his yeah. um, so but you know in the end is this a point gained for Arsenal do you think or is this a, you know a two points drop scenario because Chelsea were were good in this game but Arsenal weren't really that good at this in this game I felt I think before the start of the game you'd have thought Arsenal would probably cruise it the way Chelsea have been playing re- this season um, just from a goal I mean Chelsea have been playing okay it's the goals that's been the problem for Chelsea, from what I've seen anyway. Yeah. Would you um, Would you disagree? Um, and the fact they've still not won at home in God knows how many months. Yeah, they've only won once at home this season, and I think obviously that was the, yeah. the Luton game. Um, no, just some of the teams they've played and they've lost to. I don't know. I I wouldn't necessarily say they've played well. I mean, they lost to home against like Forest and stuff. Yeah, I guess. I know recently they definitely have picked up and they are improving but before that I wouldn't have said they were playing particularly well okay alright personal opinion <laughs> that's fine um, but in this game Chelsea really did turn up and for 75 minutes or however long it was until that first Arsenal goal yeah. there was only one winner in that game and I, mm-hmm. I thought Chelsea were very very good um, if you're if you're a Chelsea fan uh, Pete this is would, would you say this is a bit more of a reassuring performance with this one of those sort of performances where they can finally see something beginning to come together? Um, I mean, they're playing a great side in Arsenal, but Arsenal really weren't there on the day at all. Mm. I think the Chelsea performances throughout the season of that, they've, they've been okay or just above okay. Um, and they are starting to see a bit more of a change with, with Poch. But for this game, you could argue it on both sides. I think it's points dropped for them because they were playing well for the majority of the game. And it's, again, silly errors that are uh, costing them two huge points. On Arsenal, I mean, we said it before, other than the City game, they haven't really turned up no, to have any game this season. No. They've even, been... in the, in, even in Europe. Yeah, well, they lost against... Uh... Wren? Oh, Is it Wren? Yeah. 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 Um, it does feel like they're just stuttering at the moment. They haven't mm. really clicked into gear. They've they found ways to win games, which is obviously a very important quality for a team that has ambitions of, of silverware. Yeah. But at some point, they are you know this, this is going to catch them out. Um, you know, you go two 0 down, you can't rely on what was in the end a, a goalkeeping error that got them back in that game. If Sanchez does a better job of clearing that ball, Arsenal don't win that game because they weren't in that game. That game completely flipped yeah. mm. when Rice got that goal. By the way, it was a brilliant finish for us yeah. to, uh, to instinctively just hit that in the corner. Um, but, yeah, I think for... for Ch- your uh, FPL team. <laughs> Can't do it. Judas <laughs> prick. Um, 
Um, but yeah, I, I felt like with, with Chelsea, the there was a, a few more moments in the game where I, I finally looked at it and thought, okay, this, this team is beginning to come together. Cole Palmer looks like he's settled quite yeah, well. Yeah. Um, interesting Mud- him and Sterling fighting. Mm. Do you know what I found the most interesting thing was that Enzo Fernandez was the one who seemed to He's captain, Paul, Paul Rank. Is, is he? he? Captain? I thought Thiago was. <coughs> I thought Thiago was. Yeah, okay. I'm wrong. Maybe. Well, I don't know. But even so, I wouldn't say, given a, given Fernandez's age and whatever, mm. that he should be the one that's dictating. Yeah, he's a lot younger than Sterling, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Which so, makes me feel But like. I also did find it interesting that Sterling is a, you know, he's a, He's been there longer than Cole Palmer. He's obviously a very mm. experienced player. I was surprised that Cole Palmer actually, want, A, wanted the penalty, but also ended up... Uh, sort of pulling rank displacing effectively and displacing well, I guess Sterling. that shows a lot about his personality doesn't it yes very very much so maybe that's the Guardiola in him mm. uh, from his time up at Man City what's your current feelings on uh, Mudrick first of all did, the, did he mean it no <laughs> no way he wasn't even looking at the goal <laughs> I genuinely wouldn't have thought that there was a single person on this planet who thought that he meant that and then I listened to uh, Match of the Day and I'm pretty sure Jonathan Pierce was doing the game, and he was fairly convinced. Yeah, the commentary that he that, that he did it. Yeah, he, he said that. Um, you know what was he said? He said he saw Ryan off his eye. He looked and then saw. I was like, at what point did Mudrick look? I didn't see him once look up in the direction of the goal. No. So I'm not having that at all. No. But it's good for his confidence. I actually thought Mudrick played quite well. One of the better games I've seen him play. He looked really lively. He helped win the penalty against Saliba. Um, it just looked a bit more positive and maybe, 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 maybe we're just beginning to see something more from him. Uh, on the penalty, what's our views on this one against Saliba? Oh, the hand. The handball, yeah. Um, yeah, it was quite outstretched, wasn't it? Yeah. It's one of the, I think... Does the fact that his arm... It's quite close though, wasn't it? If I remember right, because there was a couple. I remember one against McTominay as well. Yes. Obviously we'll talk about that later, but I'm trying to... Pick so the, the Saliba one, his arms... He's sort of jumping forward towards the board, and naturally, as we all know, when you're playing football, your arms do mm. come out when you're jumping for balance. Um, the My issue with this, and I don't necessarily think that it's not a penalty by today's rules, but you know we talked about this before, I guess, in terms of the interpretation, but Mudrick has headed that ball not... 0.5 of a yard away from him mm. um, and then it's just hit Saliba's, Saliba's arm I couldn't tell you whether that ball was going anywhere near the goal from the angle I saw I don't think it was mm. I think it would have been missing mm. but I understand why it was given I just wish we weren't giving penalties for this sort of thing I just think it's really just dumb Yeah. Um, and I, I think this whole natural position stuff is just bollocks because you got we talk about Raheem Sterling. Yeah, what's natural arm position for him isn't natural for a single other player in the Premier League <laughs> yeah. because of the way he's running style. Yeah. So you could argue if anybody else has their arms in that position, all of a sudden you've got to be given penalties for it because that is unnatural. Mm. But for Sterling, perfectly fine. And that's the problem is that every single player will have a slightly different sort of style, if you like, as to how they play, and therefore what's yeah what's natural to them won't be for somebody else. So I don't really like it. I must admit, I thought the I thought it was harsh, but I did think it was just rewards for Chelsea in terms of the overall game. I felt they they were good value for the for the lead. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, flipping the script now to Arsenal, Arsenal could have won this in the end. They had a, and Ketia towards the end had that chance. Um, so where are Arsenal at the moment for you guys? What, what's what's missing? Why why are they not firing? Do you think? 
I mean, for me, like I said all season, they've just not got out of second, third gear. Like like Dan said, the only game they've turned up in is City. Um, I mean, if I didn't get out of second or third gear and I was sitting joint top of the league, I'd be pretty happy with that, knowing there's definitely more to come. Um, I think missing Saka for a while as well has definitely cost them, for sure, because he's a huge part of uh, their foundations. Um, but overall, they've got a good squad. I don't really know what's changed from last season unless they're using the old Liverpool excuse of just being tired. Mm. Well, obviously last year they didn't have Europe to contend with. This season they do, but I wouldn't have thought that yet that would come into it because they've only played like one or two European games. So um, what about the goalkeeper situation with Arsenal? Mm. I saw Paul Merson talking about this and he suggested that he feels like Arteta has kind of dropped the ball with this and feels like he's sort of placed unnecessary pressure on his team, himself and, and the two goalkeepers by displacing someone like Ramsdale, who we know had his issues at times with the ball at his feet, but overall, he's, he rescued them in a lot of games last mm. year. Was that a change? That in, I know hindsight is a wonderful thing, but do you think that Arteta's going to have a decision to make soon? Because Raya has, he's been trying to do, I don't know, you know, in the week we're talking about fucking match fixing all the time, Raya is looking a bit suspect at the minute with some of his. Yeah, I think it's difficult because, you, like Ramsdale is obviously a, a number one goalkeeper. Um, I think I've said it plenty of times on the podcast, you can't have two good goalkeepers. Not at that level, no, no. absolutely not. And I, I don't mean one has to be shit and one has to be good. I mean, obviously, like you say, at that level. Um, and the problem is yeah, there's there's so much pressure. If you make a mistake, you're then out, and you can't keep swapping them because there's never any sort of fluidity to it. Yeah. Um, are, we, are we seeing a I bit would... of a pattern here, though? Because it's not just... Look at in terms of goalkeepers and the mistakes they're being made. We've seen Anana mm. make mistakes. We've seen Raya make mistakes. We've seen Sanchez make mistakes, and they're all coming from well, some of the mistakes at least in, in terms of the uh, all three of them are coming from trying to play out from the back. Are we getting to the point now where teams are trying too hard to mm. play out from the back now? Yeah, I think teams are almost expecting goalkeepers to be sort of ball playing centre backs nowadays, aren't they? Um... Thank God he didn't score. <laughs> um, ball playing centre backs nowadays, aren't they? So, like, like Anana, I mean, the, pro- the problem with Anana, he's quality playing out from the back. He just can't save fucking shots. <laughs> um, whereas Ramsdale and, and Raya are a bit different. They are quite good. Well, Ramsdale, especially. Ramsdale is, a is, a, is, a, is a, probably one of the best shot stoppers in the league, yeah. I would say. Um, and, that, and that's what I found, found with De Gea. I thought De Gea was one of the best shot stoppers yeah. in the league, but with the ball at his feet, he was atrocious. Does it... Um, and you, I feel like you're having to sacrifice one or the other. I was about to say, where do you draw the line? The only player I can think... Or the only goalkeeper, I should say, that I can think of that is outstanding at both is Edison. Yeah. Because even Allison is poor with the ball at his feet. He can be, and we've we've seen him make mistakes before with Liverpool. He hasn't, to be fair to Allison, he hasn't done for a while. Um, but what I would... If I'm an Arsenal fan, what I want to see now, on the assumption that Arteta continues with Raya, I want to see Raya change what he's doing. You know, I think De Gea went through that last season mm. where there was a couple of mistakes and all of a sudden you noticed that he just started going yeah. long for a couple of games. Get it out of your system. Don't put any further pressure on yourself. And, I, you know, I'm all for continuing with the ethos and everything like that, but when it's not happening, you have to change it. Yeah, Goalkeepers, for me, they don't really... I don't really feel like they have anywhere to hide either. Mm. Because if you're a defender or something, you're making a mistake, sort of like Harry Maguire, let's use him as an example. Um... 
you know, he, he receives a lot of criticism when it comes to the national team, but from United, he doesn't, everyone just sort of accepts it now. And I think if they are to, um, if they're to just jump ship and then put Ramsdale back in now, that sort of leaves him null and void for the rest of the season because all it takes is Ramsdale to have one good game mm. and no one's going to want um, Raya back in that squad. So I think he needs to be a bit firm and stick with Raya because that's what he's chosen to do mm-hmm. and just ride the wave and try and find some consistency. Otherwise, yeah, you can't keep chopping and changing. Over. Yeah, I understand that. And obviously the, the slight get-out clause, if you want to call it that, is that Raya's only on loan. So if this doesn't work out and he puts Ramsdale back in, then Raya goes back yeah. to Brentford. Which makes it more interesting that he's chosen Raya over Ramsdale. Yeah, it's almost like this is a this is literally an experiment for him. You know, that he's he's got him in on loan and he knows full well that he can try him for half a season, give him half a season in goal or whatever, and make a judgment call on him. I don't know what deal they have in place for, for Raya. I know that I think they've got first refusal on him in the summer, but I don't know for how much. I think I don't think the fee's that high. It's not. I think maybe that's to do with like, like what, 17 million or something like that. Probably to do with whatever he's got left in his contract, yeah. I would think. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what he does, but Raya's got to sharpen up. Um, you know, you can't keep making mistakes. I, without wanting to be horrible, if it had been anybody else other than Mudrick, who hmm. got that ball off of Raya, with the exception of Nicholas Jackson... Um, I think he gets punished there. I think, and that that would have made it. That been three nil, yeah. Or I think maybe yeah, or three one so, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so that really would have been game over. And I think had that have gone in, Raya would be firmly in the crosshairs <laughs> of everybody in the world mm. in world football. Was because that mistake he, he made where he put his hand up was awful. That's what. Yeah, that's what yeah, I'm that's talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I think that he got he got away with it, and obviously Arsenal come back and win the point. So it's so. helped deflect attention away mm. from him a little bit but yeah he's going to have to sharpen up for sure um, as are Arsenal I mean they've got some good fixtures now um, but I if they don't uh, up the intensity level a little bit and, and get try and get back to what they were doing I do th- I do see a slip up coming yeah. for Arsenal um, and I, th- I don't think necessarily that before the game you would have said that 2 all against Chelsea was necessarily a slip up especially given that they come back from 2-0 down but a 2 all against the sides that they've got coming up would be a slip up mm-hmm. Um, so we are now into a very key period for Arsenal where consistency is now going to be key for them got a tough game tomorrow as well who they got away to Sevilla Ooh. mind you it's not the Europa League are they Sevilla <laughs> shit the Champions League <laughs> yeah. so um, yes we shall uh, we shall wait and see what an amazing save that was from Vicario there um, so yes we'll, uh, we'll move on um, positives for, for Chelsea there for sure but Arsenal are going to have to back their ideas up let's talk about the Merseyside derby the other fire rubber of the weekend Liverpool coming out on top as they sort of fairly often do it was a game though that was marred by plenty of refereeing hmm. controversy shall yes. we say or uh, yeah errors or talking points however you want to say it so let's go through some of those to begin with before we talk about the game um We'll start with Ashley Young. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally don't have an issue with either of the two yellow cards. Any any uh, any, no. any takers? <laughs> um, however, <laughs> Ibrahim Kanate uh, could be possibly the luckiest man mm. in Liverpool uh, at the weekend. I sometimes I like you know as a, I've refereed in the past and stuff like that, so I know how tough it can be at times, and I don't have the benefit of all the cameras and VAR and bits and pieces to help me, but. I sometimes have a degree of sympathy with with referees because it is a difficult job. But there are times (laughs) when I look at it and think, 
how have you got that wrong? How can you not see that? Yeah. Um, and he didn't have an obstructed view. It was quite obviously uh, quite a cynical foul. Can anybody explain to me how that wasn't given as a yellow card? No, I mean, for me, if Ashley Young hadn't already been sent off, then I think I would have sort of seen it from the point of view like, you know, it's a derby. I don't really want to be sending people off in a derby. There's yeah. going to be, you know, the odd sort of tackle. That way I could have been like, I can see why he's not giving him that second yellow card. But the fact that Ashley Young had already walked, I feel like just consistency alone, mm. you've got to give him that second yellow because it was very obvious what he was doing and the way he stepped across him and blocked him off. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, I was baffled that he didn't, given the second yellow, and obviously Sean Dyche was a bit more than baffled. He was indeed. I mean, he uh, he said after the game, because he actually got booked, didn't he, for, yeah. his, uh, for his protest, yeah. and he didn't seem to understand why either. Um, it's, yeah, um, I mean, here's some of the th- some of the quotes he said. He said, uh, how they didn't give a red card is an impossibility of football. Um, I don't think it's rocket science today. The fact their manager took off the centre-back straight after the award was a clear sign of what he thought. Everybody in the stadium and at home thought the same thing, but people who count don't think that. And I think that's the biggest annoyance with mm. referees, um, is that sometimes when it's so obvious, when the entire world knows the, what the decision should be and the referee doesn't give it, it's it, it's become... It becomes so frustrating. So, yeah. Uh, Pete, any uh, anything to add? Any reason that you can see why you wouldn't give a yellow card in that situation? The only thing I can think of... Sorry to interrupt. The only thing I can think of is that when I watched it, I watched it back a couple of times. I re-round it on Match of the Day. The only thing I can think that's come into the mind of the referee is that the pass into... I think it was uh, Beto, wasn't it? it was the Everton stri- is it no, Beto, the striker? Beto, the striker, yeah. Um, it was a little bit overhit... So the only thing I can think of is the referee is thinking, well, yes, it's a foul, but he's never get the ball's mm. never going to be at his feet, so he's not preventing an attack because the ball has already gone through to Van Dyke. That's the only thing I can think of that's gone through his mind to suggest why he hasn't given a yellow. Mm. Other than that, I think it's one of the you know it's a clear as day yellow card for me. Yeah, I think I'm I'm agreeing with you, but I think the referees just sort of um, sort of have a different perception away I guess when they're actually in the game sometimes it's a yellow card and they're happy to dish them out for like a funny 5-10 minutes and sometimes they won't <coughs> um, is it a caution yes it is but it didn't happen and you know Liverpool have been on many uh, receiving ends of these issues yeah so uh, swings and roundabouts I'd say yeah maybe uh, the, the, the gods of karma have decided to right the wrong from uh, from the Spurs game perhaps you could say hmm but Liverpool fans will never talk about that. <laughs> um, but in terms of the overall game, we'll, we'll stick with Everton for the moment. Um, Everton just seemed to be sort of stuck. I think that's the best way to describe it. They sort of one step forward, two steps back. You know, they, they pick up a good result here and there. And then you look at the performance here. And I thought that I don't think they didn't deserve anything from the game. I appreciate that the red card has, has changed the complexion of the game. But I just, I just don't see an identity from Everton. I don't see what their style of play is. Mm. Um, even under Sean Dyche, where you would think you would know what it is, I'm not really seeing that from him. Uh, what do you guys think of Everton at the moment? Um, I don't really feel a, like there's a massive improvement from last season, other than the fact that Calvert-Lewin's back and he's scored a few goals for them. Yeah, the fact that he's back and playing is, is going to be 
really vital and key for them this season because he has looked pretty lively. It's as difficult because well. they have got an average squad. Yes. Um, compared to what we're used to for a team like Everton, you know, they're usually up there looking at Europe with the likes of sort of Villa. Mm. Um, so it is weird that Everton are a relegation fighter nowadays. Yeah, I mean, actually, if you, if you look at the results they've had across the season, just looking now, um, they've actually, they've not been getting blown away by anybody other than Villa, second game of the season to beat them 4-0. Um, if they could just put the ball in the back of the net once or twice more across in, in games, they'd end up with more points because they've lost, so I'll just run through the um, the results here. 1-0 loss against Everton, then the 4-0 loss against uh, Villa. 1-0 loss to Wolves. Uh, 2-0 against Sheffield United. 1-0 loss against Arsenal. Then they beat Brentford 3-1. Uh, lost to Luton 2-1. Beat Everton, uh, sorry, beat Bournemouth 3-0 and then lost 2-0. So, and the Liverpool game is, you know, that's a Merseyside derby. So most of those games, they're only missing out by a goal or two here and there. So actually, then uh, you know, they're not a million miles away from it if they can just put the ball in the back of the net a bit more, maybe be a bit more positive with their play, then things could turn for them. I just think they're doing everything that we expected them to do this season they're not going to be a great team but equally they're going to be above the relegation zone mm. yeah I think they're going to be there or thereabouts aren't they come the end of the season um, but I just I just it's such a weird situation because for me Everton have always been a team even though they've been pretty poor for the last three or four years I just still associate Everton with a team that should be knocking on the door of Europe because they were that team for so long they were the they were the sort of Brighton or or Villa of right now. You know, they were always that team that would be just outside that top six, um, but not quite making that step in. And to see Everton where they are now with kind of a, a squad full of players who are average, I guess you could say average players at best, it's just a weird situation. And I just hope that Everton, for their sake, don't get relegated. And hopefully mm. the funds that can come in from this new stadium maybe get some investment as a result as well can just help them get back up the league again. Because I think we, we need to see, from a neutral's point of view, I don't want to see Everton go down purely because I don't I, I want the Merseyside derbies. It's a bit in the same way I didn't particularly want Pompey to go down because I love the whole, you know, the uh, the derbies aspect of football. I think it just gives everything a bit of a, an extra edge. when these. How many more happen. years can we keep saying that, though? Well, this is it. Sunderland did it, and they kept shopping in the bargain bucket, and eventually they got relegated. So Everton's time is going to come if they don't make changes. And then it's also exciting to have other teams come up from the championship that aren't usually in the Premier League so are there any other teams uh, in the Liverpool area that can come up and replace Everton as the derby they won't really never replace Everton Stanley, that good old guy. <laughs> I mean they never replace Everton as a, uh, as a as an actual Merseyside derby but yeah then I just spitballing but as far as Liverpool go it's um, a little bit like Arsenal I would say don't really feel like Liverpool have properly got going this year yet they've had one or two good games here and there they've found ways to win games and here we are they're third, third in the league um, on a good run, won four of their last six. Uh, very much in contention, would you say, this year? Do yeah. You, do you think they could um, push City? Do you, or do you think it's really still going to be between Arsenal and City? Um, I think Liverpool will do better than Arsenal this season. Yeah, my uh, unpopular opinion. Hmm. I don't it's not necessarily, well, maybe unpopular, I don't think it's incorrect. Arsenal at the moment. <laughs> I don't think it's correct. <laughs> no, I don't think it's incorrect. Just because of the fact that Arsenal have been limping a little bit with some of their games, but Liverpool have been as well. So it, it's not it's not a far cry to assume that one will pick up and one doesn't. Um, I think for me, Liverpool's biggest thing is it as that midfield. You know what, I mate? Mean? Yep. <laughs> is it no good? Just my first taste of it. Oh, what do you think? <laughs> 
Sorry, coffee reviews live on the Kickabout podcast. It's, yeah, it's all right. You can tell it's cheaper coffee. Yeah, all right, fucking all right. <laughs> no, you said that. <laughs> well, it was cheaper because it was on offer. It wasn't like a cheap, a cheap coffee. It? It's Costa. <coughs> it's what? It's Costa. No, it's actual Costa. It's an actual Costa branded oh, coffee. Really? Mine wasn't too bad this time. Maybe it's the sugar. Maybe I'm not used to sugar. Possibly, yeah. yeah. I'm sure I've been putting sugar <laughs> in your coffee every week. Talk amongst yourself, viewers, all right? The listeners for the moment. <laughs> Gone on a coffee. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, yeah, so to Liverpool then, um, who's going to be key this season for them? Because for me, the, that midfield, the more they get used to each other, I think the, the more dangerous they're going to become. I really must admit, I'm, I've been very, very impressed with uh, Zamaslai. I think he looks really, he really good. He looks really good. good, but he doesn't get bloody points on FPL. <laughs> That's my only criticism with him. Have you had him in your team? Yeah, I've had him in for like the past month. And since I've had him in, he's done absolutely piss all in terms of points. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he looks class. I think if they can get their midfield really, um, you know, over the rest of the season, if they can really become yeah. a uh, a force in that midfield and, and learn each other's games, the front three we know can be devastating when they're in the yeah. mood. Salah, actually, I thought was really poor in this game up until... Yeah, uh, the penalty did, and yeah, then the it and, really, wasn't really in it. No, and then the uh, the finish at the end from uh, Nunez's uh, breakaway. But actually, up to that point, I thought Salah was quite quiet in this game. But I guess if you've got a player of Salah's quality, you can just do that and just come alive when you need him. So, uh, right. Unfortunately, we now need to talk about Aston Villa against West Ham United. So I have to face the music because I've been laughing at. Dan for the last couple of years um, so uh, time for me to sit here and face the music I'll get you your take on the game first though before I talk about what I think of, of the West Ham um, because I think it's very important to not just talk about West Ham and their failings in this game but to actually praise Aston Villa because I thought they were absolutely outstanding mm. in this game taking off my West Ham bias out for a second I thought Villa were brilliant mm-hmm. um, and at the moment the way they're playing they are frankly just a better team than us that's, that's the long and short of it really yeah how impressive have you guys been with uh, Emery and Villa? Yeah, I mean, I, I saw a thing um, the other day, I think, since Emery's joined, because they were saying during the game that this was the sort of game week that Steven Gerrard got sacked. Yes, it was, yeah. Um, so it, was marked, it was a year, basically, wasn't it, that yeah. it marked since um, Emery taken over. And since Emery's come in, I think, in terms of um, sort of the leaderboard and in, in, in the way games have been played, Villa would be third or fourth yeah. on points. Doesn't surprise me at all. I'm pretty, yeah, I think they also said about his win percentage was, uh, what was it? There, there was some stat that they said about Emery that put him in the same bracket as like Klopp, Mourinho, mm. Ancelotti, Pellegrini, oh. and one or two others, and maybe Mancini at City as well. It was something to do with the, the number of wins or home wins. Because I think they, <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Didn't quite make the cut, I don't think. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was like, obviously Villa have now won, I think it's 11 games in a row at home now. I mean, mm. they're, they're turning Villa Park into a bit of a fortress. And you can see why, because it's, from 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 a player-to-player perspective, I wouldn't say they're any better on paper than the West Ham players. But you just look at the way they play. They are so positive. They're so dynamic. Everything is high intensity. Um, and in Ollie Watkins, they have got a real gem. My goodness, you know. We talked about him off and on about his consistency and stuff, but maybe what's gone under the radar a bit is just he must be a fucking nightmare to play against. He really must. If you're a defender coming up against Watkins, that goal he scored two or one. He scored one. He got one. That goal he scored was unreal. Like it was left foot. Yeah. Who was it that was defending against Zuma? Zuma. 
sort of just pushing him onto his left yeah he's like go on go on your left foot and then he can whack your oh okay (laughs) (laughs) Ariola didn't even move Um, that was really annoying actually at that point because West Ham were on top at that point and that came that that just killed the game I was going to say like first half West Ham didn't really get off the bus no we did not second (laughs) half West Ham dominated Um, up until that third goal that just really killed you off yeah and the fourth goal I mean I think um, Aguero is still picking up his ankles after Leon (laughs) Bailey turned him and then bent one in the top corner but that's the thing you know they've got players like Leon Bailey coming off the bench this is a really good squad they've got good squad depth yeah yeah Um, they had Tielemans on the bench as well yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and you know they've still got players I know he's obviously long term injury but they've still got Buendia and Tyrone Mings to come back in and Moreno yeah. yeah so yeah this is a really exciting time to be I'm quite actually glad I'm not working this week because uh, someone at work is an Aston Villa fan and I even, I saw his message today and he said something along the lines of I see Chris's book some time off work so he doesn't have to get a tongue lashing from me about the Villa game um, so yeah I think overall um, Ollie Watkins for me is the only choice to Harry Kane in terms of number two as, mm. as England striker at the moment um, we'll obviously have to wait and see what Tony does when when he returns for Brentford in a couple of months. But, um, yeah, just outstanding from Villa. I think they've got a, a really exciting season. Just how, you know, we've seen them where they are now. I mean, if we just take a, a quick mosey at the table, I believe they're fourth or they're fifth at the moment in the league. Um, We're eighth. Let's not, for- <laughs> let's not forget, yeah. actually, one thing that we've actually neglected to mention on this entire podcast all season is that this season... It's not top four anymore, is it, for Champions League? It's top five. Why? Be- because England get an extra spot in the Champions League next year. So, you know, we got, you know, this year is the last year of the normal <coughs> Champions League format oh, before we switch to the new one. And because of the fact that we've got more teams in there, because of the coefficient rankings and the fact that Premier League is the strongest league, etc., and the English teams have, have done well in Europe and all, however they manage the points, England get a fifth spot. So, is it five Champions League, two five. Europa League, and one? Yes. So, there's eight now? Yes. And that's not including, you know, the potential of situations like last year where West Ham don't qualify for Europe but win a competition yeah. and get in as well. So oh. it's, uh, you know... I'm not a fan of that. I don't like it. I'm not a fan of the whole format of the new Champions League connection. So I was think. it just more teams? So have you not heard the format? No, I didn't. I didn't okay, know oh, fucking brace yourself for this no. one, pal. Um, <laughs> so rather than the current format, which has worked brilliantly for years and we've had some amazing Champions League seasons, what they've done is you've ever gone, I see that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to change it and make it worse because that will get us more money. So what they've done is is they've done they're doing away with the group stages, okay. And the reason they have said they're doing this is because they want to create more big fixtures, right? Because they feel like group games are kind of dull and boring, which I think is a bit disingenuous because that it's a bit lead, harsh on the smaller teams. Well, like. that, but it also um, it also is. Kind of it, the fact that it's dull is a good thing because it, it creates more hype for the for the bigger games as you mm. go through the knockout stages. And we said this before: if you have just amazing games every week, it just it loses its impact. If you had Merseyside derbies, North London derbies every week, it'd get boring. It's like having Christmas every day. Exactly. So what they've done, they've uh, I believe it is how many teams is it now? Because it's usually thirty two, isn't it, in the group stages? I believe. Mm. I'm sure they've upped it to either thirty six or forty. It's one of the two, and it's one giant league. Okay, you you play. I'm going to say eight games, eight group games. So you you won't play every single team from the from the group from the from the list. I don't know how they're working it out in terms of who you do and don't play. Whether it's completely random, whether you're playing against teams of similar uh, quality. I have no idea how that part of it works. And then you get the top eight 
from the group. So after you played all your eight group games against random people, the top eight go through. The next eight, sorry, the top 16 go through. And then I think there is a playoff for more teams to go through. It's very convoluted. It's very weird. But eventually you get to the knockout stages where things become a little bit more normal after that. So it's the group stages where the big changes are. And... Pointless. We'll get. I'm sure we'll get used to it because, well, we have a fucking choice. But I wish people did get to vote on it. Like we're the ones that pay money to watch these games and stuff. Like surely the people should get a vote rather than just rich blokes sitting in their rich houses. <laughs> yeah, and that's where the problem lies. Is because there's now more fixtures, which mm. means more TV money. Um, let's not forget that that's more games that the players have to play. So that's another consideration alongside all the extra football they're having mm. to play anyway. Um, so yeah it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out but I just I, maybe I need to look into this I need to find out how those group fixtures are going to work because you can just see a situation where like one team plays against loads of shit teams or vice versa one of the sort of weaker teams just plays against all the top teams and how is that fair you know that doesn't give them that doesn't really give anybody an opportunity to go through it so it takes moments like Newcastle's season so far just takes moments on that away as well. I mean, look how well they're doing in that league. Yeah. The teams that they're playing and the away days that they're getting. If they if that just gets wiped away for absolutely nothing, I mean they could they could definitely they could top that group. Mm. I think that yeah, you know, you talk about that. Who was the team that turned up? Was it like it was some weird fucking team from the middle of nowhere who beat Real Madrid at the Bernabeu last year? Sheriff. Yes, that was it, yeah. They beat you a few years ago as well, didn't they? Mm. Um, and you you lose moments like that as well because Mm. that had real impact and and you know it was it was a big big thing but i guess in in the grand scheme of like eight group games that kind of gets lost so yeah look we're gonna have to deal with it because it's coming whether we like it or not it's a bit like the chat the world cup format is obviously now going to be uh it's now 40 teams in the world cup i believe yeah um so yeah, who knows? We'll have to wait and see and see how it uh, how it pans out. Um, so, but uh, cycling <laughs> cycling back to the point, it does mean that obviously the top four, historically at least, has been reasonably closed. I say reasonably because it's not as close as it once was, but it does now mean that there is now an extra spot because fifth place was always seen as like a best of the rest, where mm. teams could realistically target to get European football. Now, fifth place means potentially Champions League. It may not mean it every week, uh, sorry, every season because of how the... It creates less competition in the leagues when... I know it's only one more spot, but obviously it's always top four and now it's top five. Yeah. I mean, in the Premier League, I guess it is quite competitive up there anyway, so... I I mean, I guess if you're a Villa, if you're a Brighton, hell, even a a West Ham, if they can get their shit shit together... It does represent a huge opportunity, but will it just be tainted with the tainted in the same way that the Conference League is tainted? Sort of like, yeah, you only got in because you came in fifth yeah. place. You know, you, you don't actually deserve to be here because it should be top four, and it may be top four some other years. Because if England, if the English teams don't do well in Europe across the board, not just in the Champions League but in the Conference League and the Europa League, they might lose that spot um, based on those coefficient rankings that they keep talking about. So yeah, it's it's not a guarantee, but it is it is a potential way through. Um, for for the English teams that want to get in, so it means then that you have European places now in theory down to eighth place. So Conference League would then become eighth, Europa League becomes sixth and seventh. <laughs> so yeah, sooner or later we're going to be giving uh, getting European football for those that come in fifteenth at some point. <laughs> 
Um, so we'll play in the, uh, the, Euro- the Premier League table of 35 yeah. teams in it. <laughs> the Europa Europe Conference plate competition or something like that <laughs> so um, anyway um, yeah amazing game from Villa let's talk West Ham then um, yeah talking Europe you've uh, got Olympiacos next don't you we have indeed yeah. you see their game got abandoned at the weekend no what for for uh, fans throwing fireworks at the players <laughs> What home fans or away fans? Home fans because they have Panathinaikos. So. Oh, I yeah, see yeah. the big the big derby. Yeah. Well, um, see West Ham turn up in uh, full riot gear <laughs> when they come on the pitch, <laughs> all turn up looking like ice hockey goalkeepers. So, but no, in, in this game, I felt West Ham. This was a a lesson, frankly, and this was a a, a stark reminder of the the contrast in styles between a, a forward thinking progressive team like Villa and a slightly well, I say slightly a more negative team in in West Ham, and it's served us well this season. We've obviously had a good start of the season. We've actually only lost to City, Liverpool, and Arsenal. Uh, sorry, and Villa this season. Villa mm. are, are a very good side, so there's no mm. harm in losing to them. Um, it's so the way you lost. To them, it's the way exactly. It's the way we lost in the first half. We didn't get out of the gates at all. Antonio. I'll talk about him more in a minute, but I felt he could have come off after about 20 minutes. Suchek, I thought, was very poor. Um, Pakatar was not his usual self. He was quite poor. Um, I don't know what Kudas has to do to get a start, but that he needs to fucking start mm. in the next game against Everton. I think it is we got next. So, yeah, it was it was concerning. And, and Jared Bowen can only carry us so far. Um, you know, he's, I think, now one of only three or four players to have scored in... Uh, five consecutive away games in the Premier League, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, th- um, I, th- I thought that Ward Prowse was going to continue his rich bit of form, but he's so he's performing well without he's, contributing. Yeah, I think he's he, he gone like, off the boil a hit bit. the ground running though, didn't he? So now it when one of these players comes in and they score and score and score or keep getting assists and then they have a couple of dry spells, you always sort of think, oh, is Yeah, it's, it's like, isn't it, what do they call it in the in basketball? It's something called the hot hand fallacy, which is basically where you see a player make a bunch of shots and you just expect it to keep yeah. going and then all of a sudden it stops and it's like, oh, fucking hell, why does he stop for? And yeah. it's like, well, he can't do it forever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think from... from Overall, um, West, there's a bit of a conundrum. I'll get you guys' opinion on this as well, and what you would do. You know, you, you, you don't have a, a sword in this fight. So David Moyes is still yet to sign a new contract. We don't know if there's talks going on or not. His contract runs out at the end of the season. What would you guys do right now? Would you let him see the contract out and say thank you very much, thanks for the memories, and, and move on, and risk another manager coming in and upsetting the apple cart? Or do you stick with Moyes because he's safe? You're never, you know, going to go down. But then you, you know, you risk, you risk the the, the players at the club becoming disenfranchised with the style of football. You risk losing some of your better players. What would you guys do? <laughs> um, I'm glad it's not as cut as as cut and dry as. Uh, no, it's difficult because he's still a son. Fucking Um I would say. Oh, fucking hell. I mean, you wanted him gone a year or so ago. Yeah, I did. Then yes. you won a final and you, know, you, you wanted him to stay forever. Oh, I, I think if he has a good season, and by good season I mean 10th and above, yeah. then you shake hands and say thank you very much, see you later, um, and build, for, build on good <laughs> foundations for something else. Because if you have a terrible season now, 
and he goes, yeah. you're going to be in a lot worse situation. Um, regardless, I don't think there's any situation in which he stays past this season. I that's not a it's not not to say performance wise. Yeah, it's just things now need freshening up. You 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 got warning shots last year. Mm-hmm. Things are going well so far, but things also need to move forward now. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that Moyes would have to get Champions League football. I think he'd have to get really? top. I think he'd have to get top four, maybe Europa at a push to guarantee staying and guarantee another contract. But I think that the, the the board and the owners know the feelings from the fans. The fans at the moment are content. They're not uh, they're not screaming, they're not shouting because things on the pitch are going reasonably well. We're doing okay in Europe. We've got some exciting players that we're bringing in with this new direction from this new director of football. But it's only going to take a couple of bad results for that to, to swing mm. again. Um, and every time we lose, you go onto the Facebook pages and stuff like that, and all the all the fans who want him out are there back in force again, as, as the typical sort of fans are. Uh, Dan, what would you do? Would you stick or twist? Um, I think purely on the football side of things, I would twist because it's very boring. I'm not even aware of that. <laughs> it's very boring watching West Ham. Um, and I just feel like... It's difficult to bring in. You see it with West Ham's striker situation. It's very difficult to bring in strikers that can adapt to play the way Moyes wants to play. Yeah. And, I mean, you've gone through some very good strikers, like Skamaka, I reckon, could have been a good striker, yeah. just not under Moyes. Haller. Haller is probably one of the biggest ones. Uh, Haller, I think we've really missed a trick. Yeah, I mean, you massively. know, he he's been in massive... really well with Ajax exactly. and since. So. He's been a massive <laughs> success wherever he's been, except yeah. at West Ham. Um, so, I think... I think, like you said, it's one of the, <laughs> it's one of those where if you want to, it's a bit like um, what's his face at Palace, Hodgson, Zaha. Oh, no, Hodgson. Hodgson. You know, it's, it's safe and steady ship. Not really gonna. I know, obviously, under it's a little bit different because you did actually win a European trophy, but you're never really gonna push to those levels under Moyes. Yeah. But you're probably not gonna get relegated either. Agreed. Yeah, I think that um, we obviously had a bit of a scare last season with yeah. that, but we got ourselves mm-hmm. out of it at the in the end. That was very strange. You look at you playing this season, you've not really done too much. Fuck all's extraordinary. Changed. Not really. I mean, obviously we've had one or two players who've really picked up in form again. Mm. Um well, I guess Bowen's one of them. Bowen has picked up Pakatar was bang average for two thirds of last season before he started finding Super. his feet. Um, yeah, Suchek obviously was awful for the last season and a half. You had um, quite a few injuries actually last season in terms we, of defensive line, like Ogbonna and... Yes, we did. Aged, um didn't play much last season because of the injury mm. as well, which was really frustrating. Um, I think I totally agree with what you guys are saying. For me, I think it comes down to what West Ham want the club to be. Because at the moment, we brought in this new director of football and he's making exciting signings. You know, we've signed like Kudus... We signed Mavropanos, who was who's come highly recommended. We've we've signed, um, who was the um, <sighs> there was one other player I can't remember who it was who we signed under him. Maybe I misremember. Maybe there wasn't anymore. But he he has a reputation of signing exciting, young, talented, good football players, and at the moment it feels like it's a real shift in attitude and direction for the club and that they want to become one of those teams who can yeah. actually progress. So if you don't have a manager that can buy into that same philosophy and get the most out of those players, I think you, you have to question whether or not the manager's desires and manager's um, 
uh, plan is aligned with what with the rest of the club. And if they become at loggerheads, we saw some issues with that in the summer with some of the uh, the transfers that it was disagreement over. Uh, Alvarez was the other one. So I was talking about from course, a signing yeah. point of view. Um, and obviously we've signed Alvarez and Kudas from Ajax and Ajax are now 17th in the <laughs> Eredivisie um, and have just sacked their manager today. Um, so West Ham have got a choice to make because if they don't change their manager, if we don't change Moyes, as you said, it's safe. We won't get relegated, but we probably won't really do a great deal more than that other than the odd flash in the pan season like we need, where we need to go in the Champions League the other year. I think they have to take they have to take a gamble. They have to say, "What do we do? If we're going to go with this process, we have to bring somebody in who's going to do the same." And at the moment, the one manager that I would be absolutely over the moon to get would be Xavi Alonso, because he is tearing it up in the Bundesliga at the moment, and he's where's he at? He's at Bayern Leverkusen, where our director of football's just come from. So he knows him well, and the way in which Bayern Leverkusen played against us in pre-season, they fucking destroyed us. <laughs> um, and player for player, again, no better than us on paper, player for player, but they just played so well. They're currently top of the Bundesliga. They haven't lost this season yet after 11 games, and mm. they've won 10 of 11. They're trying to say that's Klopp's new replacement. So I've seen that as well, um, but I've also seen a lot of people suggesting that they don't want Alonso to do... You know, go from a club like that and then go straight into a Liverpool job, get some more experience at a lower club in mm. in inverted brackets, uh, inverted commas, sorry. So we'll have to wait and see, but he would be one manager I'd be absolutely over the moon to come in because he definitely buys into that philosophy of playing that brand of football. And I'm salivating at the mouth at the thought of what he could do with players like Pakatar, Kudus, Bowen, and a fucking striker when we buy one. He might actually be able to make use of a good striker when we buy one. So, <laughs> so what, what do you see... That gets Moyes the sack, realistically. Um, I don't necessarily think we'll sack him unless things really go Do bad. Do you think he'll walk away then? I just think, well, his contract runs out at the end of the year. I think we'll just part ah, ways. I, see. I think we'll just say thank you very much and we'll just part ways. Um, and look, he ha- I think then the question will come in as to how he, how he leaves the club. Does he walk away a legend? And frankly, I think he has to. Yeah, he's won a European trophy. He's won a major trophy for the first time in 40 odd years, the first European trophy in 60 odd years or whatever <laughs> it is. You cannot not be a legend. I'm not suggesting we're going to be building a statue of him or anything like that, but he has to be viewed as a very successful manager of West Ham, even if it's, you know, it was sort of, it's like a Mourinho conundrum, isn't it? You win trophies, but it's not always the most exciting mm. brand. So, yeah, I think that would be, be the key. We have to replace Antonio. Bloke's 34 years old and he's, he's just not as effective anymore. He has the odd game here and there where he's class and then he does nothing for five games. So we'll have to wait and see with that one. But, um, yes... Poor game, poor uh, poor day at the office for West Ham, but we've got we've now got a good run of fixtures. We've got five games now coming up that are all against teams below us, um, and we realistically should be targeting at least three or four wins from from those five, in my opinion. So we shall have to wait and see. Right, let's talk on. Um, let's talk about another club who's uh, found some form after a bit of an early season struggle, and that's Newcastle. Mm. things are clicking into place very nicely for Eddie Howe and Newcastle at the moment. Um, obviously, the big story this week was Sandro Tonali talking about his gambling problems, and it seems like there's a bit of a uh, gambling problem in Italy altogether because it sounds like there's quite a lot of players that are being investigated at the moment. Tonali was in the squad. He didn't. I don't know if he came on or not, but he certainly didn't start. Um Shearer, who will be on the show, or should be on the show next week, along with Lee. Obviously, we went down, not not here. He messaged me, and he um he did make a, a good point. He said the fact that they've been investigating this for so long, this is Italy we're talking about as well, and then they're, they're known for being a bit um 
fast and loose with the rules at times. Shearer was suggesting that <coughs> did AC Milan know about the um, the gambling problem? <laughs> because when you look at it, when you look at it, and I'm no conspiracy theorist, but it does kind of line up because you see the fact that he was forced out of the club, a club that he loved. He was basically in tears leaving the club. Now all of a sudden he goes to Newcastle and within a couple of months of the season starting, he's going to be facing a fairly hefty ban for gambling. Um, so mm-hmm. going to be interesting. Newcastle lawyers have already said they're looking into you know these sorts of details anyway, but it's just worth noting that um, this is not going to be a, a cut and dry case from Newcastle's point of view. The ban is coming whether Tenali wants it or not. Um, but in, in terms to compensation for this, if it's somehow proved that AC Milan knew about this before they sold him, then there could be um, some fairly uh, serious legal disputes over this. But in terms of on the pitch, it's uh, it's really, really going well for Newcastle at the moment, you have to say. There is goals everywhere. There's chances being created. They're flying in Europe. I mean, they've, they're defying expectations again this season because I think we all sort of thought they might just drop off a little bit. Yeah, they're just slow start, didn't they? Um, slightly trickier fixture sort of run but yeah they start to really pick up pace now and, and even in Europe obviously they're storming doing much better they got Dortmund coming up so that'll be another Dortmund this week one. yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah yeah they're fucking doing well annoyingly <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, that win you know the, the doing well in the Champions League I think is galvanising them I think it's if they got into the Champions League if they were losing games if they were bottom of the league for example in their, in their group I think maybe we might just see a slightly different approach on the weekend or a slightly different uh, outcome on these games but it just seems like they've just they've just got bundles of energy everywhere they don't seem to be tired after any of their European exploits um, I think what I like most about Newcastle is it's not a team necessarily full of worldy superstars you know you look at someone like City and even Arsenal starting to bring in some sort of world class players Newcastle I mean they've got Josh Murphy scoring goals. Jacob Murphy. Sorry, Jacob Murphy. Um, <coughs> that was a fucking jammy goal, though. Yeah. It was, but... Uh, and Anthony Gordon. I mean, I wouldn't really class him. He's doing really well this season. Yeah, but, real purple patch. Yeah, and him. Fabian Shah played for them, I think, back in the championship when they were down there. Um, Al- Almiron. Almiron, you know. Joe Linton. There. Yeah, there's quite a few of their, their team. Callum Wilson was at Bournemouth. I think that's the highest club he's paid for other than Newcastle, so... Yeah, I think Eddie Howe's got to be commended, really, for what he's done with that team, um, managing to turn what we'd probably call average footballers before into sort of hot property now. Yeah, absolutely. The value of the team, the value of the individual players has, has skyrocketed mm. on Howe. Um, I, I, do, I do worry that a blip will come. You know, we obviously saw the blip that happened with Newcastle in the sort of mid part of last season after the, it was in and around when the cup final was yeah. where they just struggled to get going again. But to their credit, they got through that. They didn't lose too many games. They were drawing a lot of games yeah. during that time and yeah, they got it through it. So it'd be interesting to see as and when the next little dip comes, which it will at some point, there'll always be a dip in form at some point, but what, how will they, how will they deal with it? Will they be able to ride through it quickly or will it sort of drag itself out a little bit? So I think that's going to be the real key test for Newcastle mm. is when they, you know, get a bit tired from the European exploits, depending on how deep they go in the competition. Can they maintain those same levels in the Premier League week in, week out, especially when you get near Christmas as well? Because that be, that's when it catches a lot yeah. of teams out around Christmas time. Well, they, they probably had their dip at the start of the season because they really couldn't score. And now you can't stop them from scoring. 
Yeah, I mean, last season, Newcastle were more about not conceding rather than mm. scoring herds of goals, whereas this season, it's the other way around. I mean, their defensive record is still good anyway. Um, and Newcastle are actually the top scorers in the league mm. uh, at the moment. They've scored one more than uh, than Villa, who are the uh, the second top scorer. It's actually interesting. The top four teams in terms of goals is Newcastle, Villa, Brighton and Liverpool. You, you know, to, to not have Man City in that conversation actually seems quite weird yeah, <laughs> to yeah. not have them in that, uh, in that bracket. Um, Crystal Palace, I mean, we, you sort of touched on them there, uh, Dan, a moment ago when you were talking about Roy Hodgson. Um, <sighs> has there ever been a more Crystal Palace season than the one we're seeing right now? <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Because sometimes you do pigeonhole teams into certain categories and certain uh, expectation levels, and Palace just never seem to break from that mould, either up or down. And here we are. They're 11th in the league. They've played nine. They've won three, drawn three, lost three. Uh, they've only scored seven goals, which I believe is the uh, it's the joint second lowest in the division. But they've only conceded 11, which is one of the better in the league. I mean, that right there, that's Palace in a nutshell, isn't it? Um, mid-table mid security mid, absolute mid-table security we found our spot and it's just no we're not moving this is mm. this is where we're going to sit and we're going to lay our nest here and this is where we're going to stay do they what do they do because they've tried it in the past they tried it with De Boer didn't work he was awful they got sacked early they've tried it with Vieira it sort it of looked like it was bit. working for a yeah. bit and then it all went south last season what next? Because Roy Hodgson can't keep coming back in and sort of stab- um, stabilising the ship. At some point, he's going to have to walk away and they're going to have to bring somebody else in. I wouldn't really say they have the funds to sort of push any any higher than what they are. Did you look at look at the success that other teams around them that are taking them spots above have? Yeah. You know, you've got Brighton with the likes of somehow managing to pillage these children from villages that <laughs> never heard of. Uh, Brent, Brentford again a really good recruiting side West Ham which have had to build over years um, they're just fortunate that Chelsea aren't fully up to scratch at the moment really otherwise they wouldn't even be competing with any of those teams mm. but that's where those sort of teams need to improve their recruitment side of things I mean they've they've found some good players in the championship in like the likes of Eze yeah and Elise. I, think, I was going to say Elise I think came from the championship as well um, but the, the reason you know Brian didn't have Massive funds like the teams they're competing with. They still um, don't. No. It's the, the, you know, it's, it's what's, their, what's their transfer record? 20 million, 25 million, something like that? But that's it. It's their recruitment side of things that, you know, is, is a bit like Leicester from a few years ago um, that got Leicester up there as well. You know, that's why Leicester was so good. Mm. Um, so, you know, if, if teams like Palace want to start pushing up towards that side of things, then that's what they need to... And Wolves done a, a similar thing, you know, when they were buying every Portuguese player under the sun. It was all to do with the recruitment side of things rather than how much they were spending. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do you fear for Palace that, you know, if, if this sort of mid-table obscurity where they don't really... They're just sort of like uh, one of the also-rans in, in, a, in a horse race... Do you worry that maybe Eze, Elise, maybe Mark Gay as well, that bigger clubs might come in and try and poach those players away? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I th- was it Eze was linked with, I think, like Chelsea or something? It was, was, it, was, was, it, was it Eze, Eze was it Elise? It was, it was Elise? one of them. Yeah, yeah, one of the two. Actually, no, I think no, Eze was Chelsea, wasn't it? And yeah. Elise was um, PSG yeah. that he was linked with. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, they're obviously the two. Now Zahar's gone, they're the sort of two standout players. Um so yeah, you know, those sort of teams, if they are just mid-table and, and you've got 
clubs like Chelsea, PSG sniffing around certain players, they're going to want to see if the grass is green on the other side. Yeah, and I think the only thing that Palace have in their favour is is that they always seem to have their players in good states with their contract, which means they can command pretty hefty fees. Speaking of Palace, just a thought: wasn't Conor Gallagher captain of Chelsea for the weekend? Because he was uh, captain against Bournemouth. He could have been. That is yeah. that is a. Interesting one. I'll have to. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably once Lee listens to this podcast tomorrow, we'll get a text message and say. We must. Yeah, I must be able to see on here actually. Let's go and uh, have a quick, quick. But again, up. speaking of that as well, London-wise, it comes down to the pull of the club. Now you got a. It was Gallagher. Yeah, he was. It was. Yeah. I mean, you've got a catalyst of choices for London. Not many people, in fairness to them, are going to go. Well, I'm going to go to Crystal Palace if, if a London team's interested. Yeah. Because I've been in that area, and it's not a pretty area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that uh, Palace are sort of the uh, last at the table in terms of yeah. getting fed at the table. So I just, if I'm a Palace fan, it's just, it's just kind of a bit mundane, isn't it? There's nothing really to be excited about. No, nothing. There's there's no cut runs. There's no pushes for anything. I mean, to be, I'd much rather be like Everton and go. Oh, we could get relegated <laughs> we're not yeah at least there is some level of excitement even if that excitement is born out of a genuine fear for the club's or, financial or situation total, total depression yeah some, something's better than nothing just different yeah I just want to do something different so yeah it's going to be another sort of season to write off you would say with Palace I mean the trouble is with Palace is that because they never really they definitely never go higher up there is always that risk that things don't go quite their way they actually end up slipping the other way and that would be the danger because they strike me as one of those clubs that if they were to get relegated, I they don't strike me as a sort of team that would come straight back up because I feel like they would lose several of their players. Yes, um, and unless they buy well and and you know maybe have a, uh, it gives them a little bit of a reset opportunity. I would I would guess in terms of bringing well, I mean, in a different manager. You thought that about Leicester and all that, but I mean, well Leicester are flying in the championship in the moment. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, if yeah, if you're a Palace fan, um, we apologise for your depression and sadness, um, <laughs> and we hope it improves soon. <laughs> uh, right then, Dan, this is your last podcast yeah. for uh, a couple for of weeks, um, with your surgery looming this weekend, and Manchester United have given you a gift. Mm. They've allowed your your farewell podcast for a few weeks to be a, a happy one. Um, I it was Sheffield this weekend and not City. <laughs> Yeah, if uh, depending on how that game goes next week, might have to get Dan on a Skype <laughs> and just uh, get him involved. Just wheel him in. <laughs> yeah, we'll take the we'll bring the podcast to you, Dan. And you can't move, so you can't run away. Um, but yes, it, it was. We sort of said last week, didn't we, that United needed a a, a really confident, dominating performance win to maybe silence some of the doubters. Um, didn't really get that, did we? No. Right, next game. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I am worried, to be honest. Like, I know, you know, we're away, but still, I think new, that Sheffield's... <laughs> I was listening I was listening to the commentary and they said that the last game Sheffield played there was like the 8-0 hammering by Newcastle. And I was like, we barely scraped past a 2-1 win. And that was because of our right-back score and a screamer in the 80th minute. Could the goalie have done more with that? Because it looked like he got two pretty good hand or a good hand I, to it. I questioned that as well, but it's a world-class thing. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I watched a good chunk of this game live and 
I'll be honest, I thought Sheffield United were arguably the better team in the first half mm. um, without creating a huge amount. Anana made one or two decent saves. I thought Anana actually played well for a change. It was. I think that was he needed a game like that where he made yeah. a couple of good saves. The only thing I would say about his saves is that he wasn't really pushing the ball away from danger. Mm. Every time he saved the ball, he was putting it straight back into the danger. It was just fortunate that was just you know yeah. the defender was there first. But at the very least, he was saving the shots. So that's a step in the <laughs> yeah. right direction. Um and then yeah, obviously the the um the Scottish uh, striker Scott McTominay <laughs> scores again. Really good finish to be fair, because that was not easy technique. To, he scuffed it. Yeah, but to even make contact in the first place, given where that ball was coming, literally straight down on top of his head. Yeah. I think fair play to him for even getting contact in that and scoring the goal. And then uh, obviously the, the the penalty. What do you what do you guys think of the penalty? His arm was so outstretched. And he even leant into it. I think you're just like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm assuming there are no complaints, Dan. No, I can't say it. that you know, in terms of controversial handball penalties, that was not up there with one of them. <laughs> it was a good penalty from, from McBurney, actually, yeah. um, to, to take that. Although they've got some injury problems because he went off injured late, uh, later on in the game, didn't he? And, yeah, and they they've got Basham's out as well. Basham obviously yeah, they, after last they week. To, um, play a back four rather than a back five because they've got so many defensive injuries. Yeah, so <laughs> things are uh, a bit rough. But they will take some positives from this performance because they did run United close. Yeah. Um, they were in the game up until that uh, moment from, from Diego Dallo. And I would say that, unless I'm misremembering the game, but I don't think United really created too many clear opportunities. There was one I remember where I think it was Rashford put the ball across the goal line and, and Hoyland very nearly got on the end of it. Other than that, was there many clear-cut chances you can think of for United? No, not that I can remember, really. The fact that McTominay is our top goal scorer and he's only played three games <laughs> is quite worrying. And he only played five minutes in the last <laughs> yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. It's, it is quite worrying. It's more um, mental to think that you've been crying out for a change at United and to find some success. And little do you know, it's been in... Harry Maguire and yeah. Scott McTominay. Man of the match performance from Harry Maguire. It really annoyed me when Pete said he was playing well earlier as well. <laughs> now, he has played against Sheffield United and Burnley. This so the, the interesting thing was is that there's been a there's been a um, quite a big U-turn actually in the media. He's even brought up his win ratio. Fuck. <laughs> I, I was going to get onto that because they brought on the fact that with Maguire the win ratio was something like. 60-70% or something like that and without him it's about 40% and then it's like well that's fine as a stat but can you show us the games who he played against yeah. because if you're including cup games against minnows if you're including European games against minnows and, and Premier League games <laughs> against lower teams that stat loses its credibility a little yeah. bit so they didn't really go into that funny enough well yeah the uh, the, the media <laughs> U-turn though has been quite extensive because it, it feels like as you said earlier, Pete, that the um, from an international point of view, that he's always at the front of the conversation when it comes mm-hmm. to picking a team. Him, uh, Henderson, Calvin Phillips, etc. Um, so I do. I'm, I'm curious as to why. I don't know if it's off the back of this Beckham documentary, where obviously we got to see all about the uh, <laughs> the abuse that he got, and everyone's all of a sudden thinking, "Oh my God, you know, we we need to back off him." But it's like the the, the some of the criticism I get has been unjustified, but at the end of the day. You keep coming out and saying the things that you're saying, like Maguire does, where he seems to make out like he's fucking prime Maldini. I think that's the, that's the thing is what you know, like when he shushed scoring a goal against like San Marino, <laughs> you know, 
And then, and then he comes out and says that he doesn't have a point to prove because he's already a, a great player and, you know, he's already achieved things and this, that and the other. I think it's just the arrogance that he sat on the bench week in, week out. He has a good game against Sheffield United and then he comes out like, you know, look at me, I'm, I'm prime fucking Maldini. Yeah, I think that we need to be a little careful with how this because we you know we, we this is a human being we're talking about at the end of the day I get that but I don't necessarily think that the media stuff and the fan stuff has been it's not been personal I wouldn't have said it's been there's been a lot of memes I get which you know probably isn't nice for him to see but I wouldn't say it, you know, it's nowhere near the Beckham levels no. Beckham's I mean he would literally burning effigies of him in the street and, and yeah and like death threats and god as well so we're not there well as far as i know we're not there yet with mcguire i mean he's, he's had his house burgled and threatened and that in the, in the past few years yeah but then so a lot of footballers great. have recently yeah. i mean yes. all i'll say is the last two countries i've been to are morocco and tunisia and as soon as i mentioned i was english that both of them said mcguire and laughed <laughs> that case closed, even really. didn't he come up in a um uh it was somewhere in africa like the, the government Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in like the House of Commons like equivalent. Yeah, and they all started talking about Harry Maguire, and they all started laughing about him. <laughs> so, but look, he's I a mean, national treasure. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing with Maguire. If, if apparently, according to me, he did an interview last week, didn't he, during the England um, break, where he said that the move to West Ham was never actually on because it was never agreed by the two clubs. Neglected to mention the fact that it was supposedly him that was the blocker because mm. he wouldn't accept the uh, the severance package that United were offering. But he had he he needs to move. He can rebuild his career. Yeah. I'm, I'm fairly confident if he chooses the right team. Yeah. You know, like West Ham. I mean, maybe not if we do change manager and change our approach. But if he was to choose a team that has, you know, I don't know. If you look at look through the league, Palace. I'm not. You know, he probably wouldn't go there. Maybe they couldn't afford his wages. But he'd be perfect in Palace. <coughs> I think. I think. Uh, maybe uh, I'm not so sure about Brighton. <laughs> oh, you. They're shit at the back anyway. No, that's so. true. Um, you know, Brentford, Everton. Yeah. yeah, look, as much as I like joke about Maguire and, and I I don't rate him as a United player, at the end of the day, you know, he's done bits for Leicester, which is why we bought him in the first place. He's a mainstay in the England team. And in fairness, he's never really done anything wrong in an England shirt. No. Um, I think my biggest annoyance is just the fact that he won't leave Manchester United and, you know, <laughs> his time... Jokes <laughs> aside, his time is clearly done at Manchester United yeah. and... Although, just playing, we were talking there about how he can be good at West Ham because of our style. Mm. United do play counter-attacking football where you play deeper. They're not, at the moment anyway, they don't seem to be a uh, progressive side that we thought maybe they would be under Ten Hag. So all the while they play that, is there a route, is there space for Maguire in your team? Well, to be fair though, we haven't really had a, a mainstay team this season. We've had so many injuries. Yeah. But all I mean is, is that if, if Ten Hag is going to adopt this more of a counter-attacking style, do you think that there is a future for Maguire in that role? Because that would suit him more than a progressive Manchester United that we thought we were going to see. <laughs> all, I, all I'll say is, Johnny Evans got relegated with Leicester last season and he was first choice over Harry Maguire. <laughs> School's goals. Yeah, and I'd rather have Johnny Evans out there than Harry Maguire. I've, I did find it interesting that Varane was on the bench. Was he, is He's he back literally to... just come back from Okay, injury. all right. That, I was about to say, is that because of He's injury? He's not been dropped for Harry. <laughs> I was going to say. Um, <laughs> but, um... let's, let's have this one then. So Harry Maguire and Mason Mount, one of them goes now for nothing <laughs> and the other one stays for five years and plays every game. Ooh. Who are you getting rid of? <laughs> oh, well. I'd probably keep Mason Mount. It's still early days for him. And he fucking hates Mount. Yeah, I think it was a massive mistake getting 
mountain, but would you have a different opinion on that a... if you only pay twenty million for him? Yeah. Is it is yeah, it the price tag? Yeah, it's the price. Yeah, because I mean, I could, I reckon I could have bargained a deal to get him for twenty or thirty. <laughs> Um, it's probably why you hate all your fucking players because you're paying 60 plus yeah for we just pay stupid money like Sancho he's literally done nothing in the United shirt we paid like 70, 80 million for him kid mm. on the streets wearing United kit that's easy 50 mil right? yeah, yeah. Literally. I might just stand outside in the United top and... <laughs> <laughs> couple of fucked up key <laughs> just um, one final point to round off uh, United um, there were some rumours this week that with Ratcliffe coming in I don't think that deal has actually been finalised yet it still seems to be not official yet. A year or two. Yeah. Um, there were rumours that uh, Graham Potter could come into United mm. if they lose patience with Ten Hag. Um, what's your What's your opinion on that? Um, well, I said to you on the chat, I'll just repeat what I said to you earlier because I stand by it. I think in terms of football, like, I'd love to see it. But in terms of, I don't think Graham Potter's ready to deal with the egos that mm. surround a club like Manchester United. Um and the, the the owners themselves are very quick to throw a manager under the bus when things are starting to go against them. Mm. Um, and I just I, I think to be honest, Ten Hag's done so well in dealing with the sort of egos that we've got at the club, like the whole Ronaldo thing, and and even Maguire at the moment. You know, he's he's obviously taking yeah. the captaincy of him. Sancho and, and yeah, and, and this whole Sancho thing. Um, I I I don't know how Graham Potter would have dealt with the Ronaldo situation, the mm-hmm. Maguire situation, the Sancho situation. In terms of the football player, I think it probably would be better under Potter, but... It's interesting, isn't it? Because Graham Potter has got a degree in like psychology or sociology mm. or whatever the... Um, is it psychology? Yeah. I think it is. Yeah. Um, so in theory, he should be fairly well-versed mm. in being able to man-manage his players. Um, I don't necessarily... I mean, again, go back to the conversation we had on WhatsApp, is that under Potter at Chelsea, he didn't have, you know, it, things didn't work out, obviously, as we know, but he didn't have the problems off the field. There wasn't really any problems off the field at Chelsea, mm. really, other than the fact that their squad was just too damn big. Yeah. Whereas at United, you've got an issue with the squad, you've got an issue with s- several individuals, you've got allegations of sexual <laughs> assault that he's had to deal with from, from um, Greenwood and, and Anthony. Anthony. Easy, I think. He has had a really I mean. bad hand of yeah. cards. So I think he he does deserve some credit for standing up and dealing with all that and, and coming out the way he has. Time will tell whether it works out for him, but I think that um, you know, the transfer policy at United needs to massively change um, for, for things to really improve on the pitch. Yeah. Um, so Talking about United as well, um, obviously Bobby Charlton. Yes, of course we do. I was going to mention him at the start of the show, actually, and I, I, I missed uh, I my... I did think that, but then I thought, well, I'll wait to bring it up. Yeah, yeah no, we should talk about that. Um, Bobby Charlton obviously sadly passed away at the weekend. Loads of tributes have been paid towards him. Do you know the, I think the, the saddest thing about this this entire situation now is that there is now only one player left alive from the 66 World Cup. Yeah. That's, that's Jeff Hurst. Crazy. Um, we weren't lucky enough to see him play like you were, Chris, but... <laughs> Wow, <laughs> wow, that's uh, getting those shots, mate. Because you know, you're not here for a few weeks. He must be the the last Munich survivor as well. I would imagine so, yeah. I mean, if you think about what this man has been through in his life, yeah. um, and he was going to games up until like very recently, yes, yeah. he was very Some active. Game, I actually yeah. didn't realize he was maybe I just didn't didn't think about it I didn't realise he was 86. Mm. Um, because Jeff Hurst, I think, is only 81, I think. Is he 81? I think he's in his early 80s or maybe late 70s. Um, 
And he just, he always looked so well. He always looked so healthy, didn't yeah. he? He always looked so... Still a young age to die, though, 86, I Yeah, think. I mean, it's a good innings, don't get me wrong, but it's it's certainly, um, you know, I don't know whether we just perceive that that's, that's young or what, but, you know, he, he was such an amazing man from, from every interview that I've ever seen about him. We've all seen clips of, um, of the football that he played and the, the Munich air disaster that he experienced. I mean, what an incredible life moment that must have been to go through that and have all the heartache of, of loved ones and friends and whatever mm. passing away I think he was one of 23 survivors sorry winning the world cut I mean his bloke's been through it all. yeah he yeah, was he was born 12, during 12, just before the second world war wasn't he uh, I think it was at 37 I think he was born so I doubt he has a huge amount of memories from the second world war I mean, he would have been seven Eight, eight years old when the war started so maybe he does remember yeah. parts of it um, but uh, yeah and then obviously to then lead United into a real purple patch in their history um, 10 years after the Munich air disaster to help rebuild things is amazing and then to form the the Holy Trinity with um, uh, Dennis Law and the Shagger what's his face <laughs> fucking hell I can't remember his name help me out Dan come on yeah. George Best George Best yeah Shagger <laughs> Um, so uh, yeah the Holy Trinity as as on the statue outside uh, outside Old Trafford so yeah massive condolences to his friends and family big loss for the game I think uh, you see the way it's funny isn't it because when when certain football players pass away who've you know been in the game a long time you can always sense who the real legends are and that's not to say that the, the guys that have passed away who've had nice things said about them aren't but when someone like Bobby Charlton passes away the reaction and the level of communication and, and, and people the way people talk, you really get a sense of just how much of a giant of football he was. Um, so, yeah, he will be sorely missed, I'm sure, by a lot of people at Manchester United. So, I'm sure you've, sure you've heard about the club statement from uh, Man City as well regarding that. Yes, obviously yeah. Man City have, uh, have said that they're going to investigate these. I don't know what the chants were, but there were apparently some very nasty chants about Bobby Charlton, probably from a very small minority. But Re- it's worth replicated the, effectively the same as the Queen's one. So, oh right, okay. Um, it's worth noting though that the the Man City players um, have all been saying some very lovely things. Pep Guardiola yeah, exactly. also yeah. said some very it's nice just time beers and yeah morons. It's like those two Sheffield United fans, isn't it? So. Unfortunately, idiots will be idiots. You can't, there's no cure for stupid, unfortunately. So, anyway, let's move on. Um, we, we're not going to talk about Sheffield United. I think we've talked about them a reasonable amount over the past few weeks. We know they've got work to do, but they have got some injury problems. But I think they'll take positives from that game. Um, but they need to start picking up soon. Still winless after nine games. The longer that goes on, yeah. the harder it's going to be. Um, let's uh, let's talk Nottingham Forest Luton because, whilst, you know, um, Luton have uh, have only got that one solitary win. They are just showing signs of life. They are, uh, Pete. Well, how you know? What, how would you assess this game with with Luton? Is this a bit of a springboard for them? Do you think? Um, I mean, on, on paper, two two with with Forest is a a good result for them for sure. Um, but that is a game where they need to be getting three points if they want to sort of take the pressure off themselves a bit more. Yeah. Um, especially with Everton and um. Brentford and that starting to pick up results. Um, I thought Luton were in it for quite a lot of the game. Um, obviously, the, the highlights showed that Forest were totally all over them for about eighty minutes of the match, but it really wasn't the case watching it live. Yeah. Um, some real performances in there. They're starting to um, change 
the way that they play. So in in the championship, I mentioned the very much the one dimensional hoof ball. Yeah. Um. Their their progressional play is really something quite amazing under Rob Edwards at the moment. Yeah. They've just not really got the um the quality up top to sort of see the games out and and really put teams to the sword. So I, I think if they can find a very fortunate gem in in January, you know they they could possibly be home and dry come the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, things don't get particularly easy for them uh, the next couple of games. Uh, is that Madison that's just yeah, scored? Lovely old job. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we've I'll got... up on 72 in a minute, Mike. <laughs> uh, Aston Villa up next. Um, I'll be honest, I've got Watkins in captain on that one because I think Aston Villa could put them to the sword the way they're playing at Villa Park as well, where they have uh, one eleven on the spin. They've then got Liverpool... And then they've got Manchester United, so probably three points there for Luton. Um, and then Palace, Brentford and Arsenal. So they've got some tricky fixtures to come. But I think that, you know, the the, 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 the problem is, is that Liverpool, uh, sorry, that, that Luton, like all teams that are down the bottom end of the league, it's all very well saying that they need to beat the teams around them, but they do need to pick up points against other teams where they're not expected to as well. Yes. Um, so sooner or later... They're gonna to have to find a point or a three point against a team they're not expected to beat. Now I don't know who that would be in that list. Um, maybe the home game against Liverpool. Maybe if they can get at them, maybe they can do something there. Um, although Liverpool obviously in very good nick at the moment. So yeah, I don't know. But that's, I, that's the only difference over the teams down there is that Luton only really seem to be one of the few teams that are actually given some fight back. I mean, Sheffield United, you could just tickle their bellies. Bournemouth are fucking dreadful at the moment yeah they really are Burnley have um, obviously they've had a horrific start to the season yeah. in terms of their fixtures um, <coughs> it but could, could just be a case of a, there's a load of crap teams and they're just one of the better crap teams this season mm. yeah it's it's. I, I do I want to see um, I want to see uh, Luton I think it coming off before the 60th oh you wanker oh, no, pot. No. it's not Potch <laughs> is it it's Ange say no clean sheet from that Doggy goal, that goal stood then yeah, I think it did. Oh. Um, so, yeah, what about uh, Forrest, Pete? I mean, throwing away a 2-0 lead at home, Chris Wood probably could have had about five in this game. They like a draw this season. They sure. really do. I mean, that is their, <laughs> um, that's their fourth draw uh, in, in nine games. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, again... They're we... not a million miles away, though, are they? You can see improvement under Cooper this season. Yeah, I like a, a one-year sort of... Uh carried on a little bit of his form from last season but we're just missing that little bit more from him um good performances all over uh the, the team really from them but um it just sometimes in games for like a, a 15 20 minute period it's all bark no bite with yeah them. absolutely um so right okay um we i was gonna try and squeeze in talk about the gary o'neill derby um just because i thought it was you know, there was good on him. Good, good on him. Exactly to uh, to get that result against Bournemouth. It's it's rare that uh, I go into a game with Bournemouth involved and, and wanting Bournemouth to lose. But on that one, I did have a mm. bit of a smile on my face when Gary O'Neill mm. came out with the win. Silly from Cook. Very very silly from Cook. Um, the manager still without a win at Bournemouth. One or two sides, obviously them and Sheffield United still without a win. Um, You've and seen that his job is very much under threat now. Who Bournemouth. Areolas? 
Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Like you, you can't go nine games without a win, um, and they've only scored six goals. They've conceded twenty. Like Gary, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's why I'm on Sky Sports tonight. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I think um, and some of the football that Wolves played, there was a moment in that game where there was a little bit of football on the left hand side, which was absolutely unreal. And if Neto had put the ball in the back of the net, a it would have been great for my FPL team, but it would have also rounded off a wonderful team move. So I think Gary O'Neill is doing uh, is doing a really good yeah. job there. Yeah. I was about to say, what what do you think of Wolves now? Because they they seem totally different to what they were at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, they're unbeaten in four now. I think they were um, playing well. They just weren't putting the ball away. I think that was the problem. Yeah, I mean, they obviously they highly unlikely against you. Yeah, um, yeah. I think they've had one or two other games very similar. I think they they played Liverpool and they got they were quite unlucky against yeah. Liverpool, I think. So I think I, I just think Gary was doing a fantastic job there and actually he's getting, he's getting a real tune out of a lot of those players. And let's not forget how many players Wolves have let go this summer important players as well mm. so the fact that they're playing as well as they are I think is a real testament to them yeah. Um, so yeah good good on Gary O'Neill uh, right uh, let us now begin to round out the show and we'll first of all start with this down the stack man um, yeah so as, yeah, I was trying to think how I worded it now. Um, as I said, I've got the sort of list of the um, the top 10 list of most goals and assists combined over the last 10 Premier League seasons. Right, let's go through the obvious ones. Yeah, so Harry Kane. Harry Kane. Yeah, he's number one. Son. He is number five or six. Six. Mo Salah. Yep, he's number two. Aguero. Yep. Um, That's four, isn't it? So yeah. Four. Who else has been sort of prolific during that time? It's got to be another Liverpool one. Uh, Firmino, Sadio Mane. Um, both Firmino and Sadio Mane. That's six of them. That's six. So four more to guess. Or yeah. Three more to uh, guess. One, two, three. Ten years. Four, I think. Four more. Um, Hardy. Yep, Jamie Vardy. Good shout. Yeah, no, like that. Three to go, I believe. De Bruyne? Yep. Nah. Two to go. Doing very well at this. This yeah. is one of you. I don't know if you said him or not. If you don't get him, then I'll assume you said him. <laughs> uh, so I think you've got two, but it might just be one. Okay. Rashford? No. I'm not sure there'll be any Man United players in there. Unless Rooney's Berber. in there, is he? No. Berbatov? No. Ten no, years. No, ten, no, years ten years. Probably not long enough to go back. It's me thinking I'm still young. <laughs> Time's flown by, mate. Yeah. <laughs> ten years. Uh, 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 uh. Mm, 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 mm. What two to get? You reckon? I think it's two, but you might have already said one. I can't. Well, we've done Kane, Son, Bale. Okay. okay, so you've no Son. Son was the one I couldn't remember if you said or not. Yeah. So one, one, one to go. One to go. Yeah. Okay. Bale. No. Um, any Arsenal players? Oh, yeah, I was thinking about any Arsenals. Van Persie? No, that was more than ten, surely. Henri? No, way more than ten. Too far. We're talking more recent than these sort of players that you're naming. More recent, yeah. Current? Who? Current? Is it a current player like playing right now in the? Premier He's still League? playing. He's not necessarily in the Premier League. Right. Okay. Not necessarily in the Premier League. That's always annoying, though, because he could have dropped... Defoe? Him. No. He's definitely not playing anymore. Well, I thought he was still playing out in America, or is he retired now? I don't think so. I think he retired <coughs> a few retired years last ago. year, I think. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, oh, bloody hell. International or still playing in England? Um, what do you mean international? Is he playing? Is, is, is he, he playing, playing in England? Oh, he's playing abroad. He is playing. Oh, fuck. I reckon he's gone. Someone who's gone to America. What other prolific? Or is there? Or is there somebody who's gone to Saudi? So, someone that's been at a club for a fairly consistent period of time yeah. to rack out that many goals. Do you want another hint? Go on. Struggling. Yeah, go he on. played for two Premier League clubs. Oh, two Premier League clubs. Hazard. No. no he's oh, that's, that's a good shout. Not playing for two Premier League clubs. No. <laughs> I was going to say, who else? Yeah. It's, not, um, it's not fucking Lukaku, is it? No, he played for like four. That's very true, he did. Yeah. Um, oh, fuck. I don't know. Another hint? Suarez? No. Torres? No. <laughs> Another hint? Yeah. He's an African. And abroad. Well, it's definitely not. Oh, um, Riyad Mahrez. Hey. Ah. Oh. <laughs> there we go. That was good. Another good one there, Dan. More of those, please. Uh, right, okay. Uh, let's wrap up the show now with Pete's quiz. Okie dokie. Um, it is currently 5-2 to Chris. Um, so Chris, uh, Dan really needs to get his arse in gear, doesn't he? He does. I assume I'm not doing this forfeit before my surgery. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will, uh, again, pretty much the same as um, last week. If there's any difference in answers, I will tell you. But just honest answers for now. Um, question number one. The... International break is over, meaning most of us can get back to enjoying our club football. Yes, he's had some time yeah, off work again. Term, yes. <laughs> I've, had, I've had time. <laughs> We're all for it. so tired. <laughs> Unfortunately, I won't be giving points to guessing who isn't happy with their club right now. No, I just want to know what team has the most international players in their squad. Hmm. I see in Premier League. Premier League, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've got, yeah. My, I've got my guess, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've got mine. Okay. I am going to go with Arsenal. Mm. Dan's gone different, yes. hasn't he? Yeah. I was going to go with Chelsea. In my head, I was thinking City, because they've got so many unreal players, I thought they must all be international. And then I thought, well, Chelsea have got like six teams. So <laughs> well, I mean, Dan, Dan was closer, but you're both wrong. Okay. Dan was closer in the fact that they've got half of the country playing for them. So it's City. Forest. Oh, Forest. Not, really? Wow. Well, 18. Bloody hell. From 13 different countries. Wow. Yeah, they've got a lot going to the AFCON. I was going to no, say, they're going to need a big squad, aren't they? Yeah. You were only saying it last week as well, how no. many players they've got on yeah. international duties. Uh, question number two. Uh, next, we come to a team that sit on the bottom of the league and have been described by their manager as fucking shit <laughs> with a mixture of constantly making the wrong decisions. But enough about Chris's FPL team. <laughs> <laughs> we have another team sitting on the bottom of the league in Sheffield United. But what I want to know is that what team has escaped relegation on the lowest points. Ooh. What team has escaped relegation on the lowest points? 
Can you tell us what the point total was? 16 points. They escaped relegation with only 16 points. Fucking yeah. hell. And it was like two so much for the 40-point mark being the safety net. Yeah. Two or three wins all season, I think it was. Okay, I've got my guess. I've got mine. Okay. I'm going to Sunderland. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'm going to go Derby. Oh. Huddersfield. Ah. Oh. 18-19 season. Wow. So who went down then that year? Uh, no idea. <laughs> you put them on the spot there. Well, no, I just that was more of a rhetorical question just because I can't believe there were three teams who had less than 16 points. That's incredible. <coughs> I mean, I must admit, I don't... I, I You're forgot from the right ballpark with championship teams. Well, I'd, yeah. To be honest, I kind of forgot that Huddersfield actually managed to survive the first year. <sighs> this was ages ago, wasn't it? It was only five years ago. That's not the season you're on about, is it? You said 17 yes. 18 season. Really? Yeah. And 16 points. And then they got relegated the next season after. Oh, right, question number three. Who am I? So this is a answer. As... <laughs> yeah. One nil. <laughs> um, yeah, so first one to answer this one, so it's a race against it. Uh, I'm a current Premier League player. I am a defender. I play in blue. I wear the number 33 shirt. I've played for another Premier League club. Both clubs have won the Premier League, but I've never been a part of those winning sides. Colwell? No. Palmer? No. Which one's the one that just went from City to Chelsea? Neither of them. Well, Palmer's not a defender. Is he not? He's, he's a midfielder. He's a left back. Is Colwell, isn't it? Yeah, Colwell is a... Yeah. Nine. Nope. No. Okay. Uh, uh, right, so yeah. Uh, b- both clubs, I've I've won the Premier League. Both clubs have won the Premier League, but I've never been a part of those winning sides. Is it Emerson? No. I won the FA Cup. Stand playing blue, did they? I wake it's blue. <laughs> <laughs> I won the FA Cup with my previous club. I am French. Zuma. No, I've literally just done exactly the same with you. <laughs> Best don't play in blue, do they, mate? So I'm a current Premier League player. I'm a defender. I play in blue. I wear the number 33 shirt. I've played for another Premier League club. Both clubs have won the Premier League, but I've never been a part of those winning sides. Ashley Young? Is no. French? <laughs> I've won the FA Cup with that. That is the worst shout. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just um, trying to think of players who play in blue. Luca Dean? No, that's Villa now. I was thinking he's at Everton. I am French. <laughs> uh, Fucking hell, I'll gift someone a point at this oh, right? Oh, this is shocking. So I do, shall I do the club? No, because that would be, yeah, be too obvious. Two minutes to uh, club that plays in blue. <laughs> He's a defender. He's French. Does he start for his team? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's only one team. I'm trying to just think of which fucking teams play in blue. They've got French defenders. Mm. I'll just double check. He is French. He's definitely French. 22 years old. Oh, he's quite oh, he's a youngster. He's in blue. Oh, um, it's not... I don't know if he's French. It's not Fafana, is it? 
It is. Wesley Fofana. Wesley Fofana. Is he French? I thought he was African. No, definitely French. Wesley Fofana. <coughs> uh-huh. Maybe he has like... I swear he plays for like Ivory Coast. No, he plays for France. No, it's French. He's had his first appearance actually uh, a few months ago, I think. Yeah. He has got Ivorian. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's played like under twenty-one film or something. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, that's one nil to Chris. And this is a really good week because now it's uh, it's anagram time. (laughs) (laughs) Only because the viewers love it, mate. Otherwise, I would have been this. So anagram time, and this week we have a retired footballer. Got him. So the anagram is. The cool twat. <laughs> now, I've never thought of him as cool, but <coughs> he has links to Southampton, so the latter's definitely true. Four and seven for this one. The cool twat. Theo Walker. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, all right, fair enough. As soon as you said Southampton. Well, maybe I shouldn't have said yeah. that. <laughs> all right, well, cool. Two now. <laughs> Put your phone away, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Right, big points time now. So I'll give you two points for a correct answer, but you have to get... um, But if you get the answer wrong, the other player has has to answer. However, if they get it wrong, they lose a point. Okay. (laughs) So I'll be starting with Dan, answering three questions about West Ham. But don't worry, because I'm coming to United for Chris after. So... Dan, what I want to know, what is West Ham's highest position finish in the Premier League history? Premier League history, mm-hmm. okay. So if you get it wrong, you don't lose anything, but Chris can answer it. So you want to be yeah. looking at his reactions, really, to see if Because <coughs> you could totally fuck it and just lose in points. Sixth. Okay. Are you coming to me straight away? Or? It's, it's wrong, so I have to come to you. Is it fifth? It is fifth. The year that we lost out in the Champions League to you, two, like two, three years ago? Oh, I thought... No, it's 1998 and no. 99. Yeah, no, because we, we got Europa League as well. Came sixth. Oh, maybe it wasn't them, it wasn't yeah. you. Oh, yeah. you got it right without even fucking knowing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so no points there. You didn't get a point for it, you just didn't lose a point. Okay. That's still zero zero. Right. Uh Chris. <laughs> yep. What is Man United's lowest position finish? Ooh. I can't remember if it was Premier League, but I remember when Fergie joined. They were pretty shit when Fergie joined, but I don't know how low they finished and whether that was in before the Premier League's inception. So I will say their lowest finish. I'm going to have to take a guess. I'm going to say it's 12th. Wrong. Damn. Is it Premier League? Or? Premier League. The lowest position finish in Premier League history. Fourteenth. They're both off the mark. Seventh. Really? It's the lowest they finished. 13-14 season is the worst season you've had. Seventh. Seventh. 
I feel like you've been uh, shitter than that. Yeah, it feels like it. Sets the yeah. cap you've always, pitches, doesn't it? You've always had a little bit of a reco- recovery in every season you've been shit recently. Well, you say that. I mean, they're, they're nearly up there again. No, now. that's true. Three points off Champions League or whatever wow. it is. So I'm on minus one, am I? Yep. Yes. So overall, so. Uh, the scores are me on two. That is on minus one. I tried doing this in fucking favour him. Right. Um, that's tough, though. Like I would never yeah. have got that in a million years, to be honest. Right. Uh, 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 uh. Typical arm. Dan, fan. who is... So, so you, all you had to go, you had between one and five. So I fucking left it open for you. Hey, look, just because I've got knowledge of my club and you don't, right? And you got it wrong... I did, I got it right. Yeah, but your guess was nothing to do with what you said it was. <laughs> it was very jammy. <laughs> right, Dan, what, who is West Ham's top scorer? Uh, As in all-time yeah. top scorer. What, in Premier League? Or no, all-time. All time. Fucking hell. I mean, if it's who I think it is, he hasn't got a fucking hope in hell. Sort of want to help him out a bit now. Is it the guy that handballed it? What, Diego Maradona? No. He's not played for him. <laughs> um, what's his name? You talking about the handball or you talking yeah, about... against like Sheffield Wednesday or whatever it was. Pushing the referee, you mean? Yeah, he caught the ball as well, didn't he? No, he caught the ball. The one you're thinking of is where um, a, cr- a keeper came out, injured himself yeah, and the cross yeah, came yeah, and he yeah. caught it being yeah. a sportsman. Like, yeah. Okay. I don't think... No, it's not him. Oh. I'll, I'll give you a clue. It's not him. You know his name? Paolo Di Canio. Yeah, him. That's, that would have been my guess. So it's not high yet, I'm assuming. No, it's no. not. Chris, he's with us for a year. Yeah, um, but this is a good thing because he can't get minus one now. I'm going to say... Is it Tony Cotty? No. We spoke about him earlier alongside Bobby Charlton. Oh, was it Jeff Hurst? Jeff Hurst. Wow, okay. So both I, to be honest, I wasn't, I was, it was either him, Tony Cotty, or I was going to go... Um, uh, Frank, what's his name? Uh, Macaveni. But this is you know, that's a while ago. Okay. Okay, so it's... Minus one to one. Yeah. Actually, or no, it's no. minus one to zero, isn't it? Because I was only on one point. No, you're on two. In, in, this, on... in this section. Oh, right. Yes, yeah, yeah. Right, so... Da, 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 da. Dan, when was West Ham founded? <laughs> Blimey. Closest gets it. Okay. As in, yeah, that's fair. His West Ham guess to your United guess. Okay. All right. Fine. Because you should know when your club's founded. You're right. I should. Do you know when Denton United were founded? (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure yours is written on your badge. It used to be. I don't think it's anymore because we changed the badge. You'd be surprised at how many people don't take that in consideration, though. So when were West Ham founded? All right, well, I've got a figure in my head, but I feel like Chris should have to go first. <laughs> Why? Because you just went one above what <laughs> I said last If he time. says it right. Oh, yeah, that is what I meant. No, well, we're just... We're, no, we're, we're honest people. Like, we're honest people. Person. We're honest people here. I've got a number in my head, and I will stick to it. I've been, do you know what? I'll write it down. Okay. Because Dan has some uh, trust issues, apparently. <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, hang on. Get it right. There we go. Right. right. Hands, his hand okay. is not on the phone. I've got 1867 in my head, but I don't know if that's very 1867? Old. Is that very old? Fuck me. I don't think there was any football team around at that point. Is it not? No. I've got 1897. 
fucking 20 years off what I said and you made out as if mine was like ridiculous. 1860s, yes, that is a fucking long old time. Um, incorrect. What was it? 1895. Ah, wasn't that far wrong. Yeah, just 30 years. Yeah. So, 1860s, I don't even think football was invented then. Mm. What's so the, in fact, let me Google the earliest football club. This is where I'm counting, isn't it? No, it was Sheffield, wasn't it? Earliest no, football club. In the, in the football league. in the football league, yeah. Uh, okay, I, I stand corrected, Dan. 1863. Uh, that is Stoke City. Stoke? Hang on, no. Pra- Who's the oldest club in England? No, it's Sheffield, sorry. I can see that. <laughs> Pub quiz. 1857. Fucking hell. Okay. There we go. So that's you on another minus one. So is that... Minus one each. Minus one each. Lovely. Okay. A very low scoring quiz this week. <laughs> Chris, um, when were Man United founded? Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, 94. 1994. 1994. When Alex Ferguson Not turned up. Not mate. <laughs> um, okay, I will go. All right, I've got a guess. Go on. Do you, do you, I'm assuming you know. No, I don't know. Have you got even a rough idea? No. I was trying to think which century it is. Okay. I will go 1884. 1875. <laughs> oh, it's 1878. Ooh. So you were both three years off. No, I was, no, I was further out. Did I say I, I no, said 1884? When, when you guessed for West. Oh, I see. West Ham, okay. you said 98. It's 95. Point each then. <laughs> <laughs> Just to make the quiz sound a bit better, like we're doing better. Also, totally forgot um, about uh, the top scorers. We've done Jeff Hurst one. We didn't do who's Man United's top scorer all time. Oh, okay. All right, so one final question for me. I was wondering why he was only on... Well, you, well, you were only on minus one. So currently, as things stand, before this question, we're both on zero now, aren't we, I think? If we're saying yeah. that. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Man United's top scorer of all time. Dennis Law? No. Nope. Wayne Rooney. Is it? Yeah. I, I thought you'd smash that. Yeah, I, really I, I didn't think that he uh, he broke the record. I knew yeah. he broke like um like Premier League record and shit. I didn't yeah. know he broke the all time record. So one nil to Dan. So that's two one. Two one overall. Two one to Chris overall. Right. So just doing it to make things interesting. <laughs> this is where we get into the pain in the ass bit. So uh, first to answer. Oh no, because this is a bastard one now. Right. <laughs> First to answer, what team has scored the most goals this season? We literally had it just then. I'm not yes, gonna... and that's why I genuinely thought you were going to say it. I can't remember what we fucking said. Yeah, uh, it's Villa, isn't it? Wrong. Dan. What team has scored the most goals this season? It's for two, <laughs> it's for, it's for two points, mate. What did we say? Like... But it's one of four, so if you don't get it, I'm going with Newcastle. one of the other one. Yes. Fuck. <laughs> Three, two to Dan. Right, final question. <coughs> Our memories are outstanding, aren't they? Fucking hell. We literally talked about it ten minutes ago. Uh, I'll just scrub that one off the question because he mentioned it. That's fucking gold. Last question. Three, two to Dan. So this season, are there more solid red and blue home kits combined 
or more striped kits. Striped? Yeah, I'll say striped okay. as well. Wrong. Good. <laughs> there are five striped and seven uh, red and blue combined. Mm. Would you better name them all? Palace. Are we using red? No, as in solid red and solid blue. Oh, combined. I thought you meant as in like palace, like red and half blue. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I, did, I did say there are more solid red and blue kits. Yeah, combined. meaning right. like yeah. solid red I and can, then solid I can see blue. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's why I put the solid in there. Well, because that's why I thought well, I can only white. think of Crystal Palace. Yeah, so. It's got to be stroke. Okay, well, Dan wins three two. Lovely. There we go. Make it interesting. So that's, so that's five, five three. three. Five three. Well, back. there we go. But the quiz now obviously has to go into a hiatus. We uh, know what it's like when someone goes on holiday for a few weeks. You tend to run away with it after. Oh no, that's, that's when you go on holiday. Exactly. Ain't fighting that, man. So uh, <laughs> yes. So the quiz obviously will go on hold. We might have a. Depending on where the peak's filling up, to, it might have a little, uh, some f- little non uh, non serious quizzes, I guess, for uh, for the next couple friendlies. of weeks. Some friendlies, actually, yeah, get some practice in for me. Uh, delete Shearer's FPL. <laughs> yes, yeah, a shame as as league admin, I can't do that. That would be lovely. <laughs> so yes, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Of course, we'll be back next week. Dan, uh, we wish you all the best with your surgery this weekend. Yeah, thank you. Uh, hopefully, it goes goes well. Um, and we'll hopefully get some LMAs in tomorrow if you're around uh, yeah. to get the recordings yeah, yeah, done so we yeah. can get ahead of the game. Of course, L- next LMA will go out tomorrow uh, as as normal. I don't think there's anything else. So we should have Shearer and Lee for at least the next two, maybe three weeks. Uh, obviously, we'll just keep in contact with Dan as to how he's feeling and when he feels like he can return. Um, but, I mean, we're looking, looking at the calendar. It's going to be mid to late November, I would think, before yeah. that happens. So... Excellent. Right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, and we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.